Open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 50, or Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah chapter 13. Thanks for praying for our meeting this week. We had a tremendous time in Alabama. We had preachers from Texas and North Carolina, Georgia, um, New York, where else? Florida, all over for this. It was called Expound 22. It was an expository preaching conference. And Jeff Faggart and Dalton Robertson and I, uh, we did the teaching. And the way that it worked was you would have an exposition, so a, a, a preacher showing the end result of, of what we're trying to accomplish. And then Dalton taught uh, just brass tacks, how to develop a sermon, how to properly handle a text, what is expositional preaching, what do the words mean. It was so good. And then in the evenings, I did um, Believing the Bible that You Preach. And one of one of uh, Brother Jeff's sessions, he took us to this Isaiah chapter 13 to show us principles of Bible study. And it's so fun. He found this chapter that has about eight of our principles of Bible study that we can use in the one chapter. So I texted him and I said, hey, can you take a picture of your notes and send those to me? So this morning... We're really looking at Brother Jeff's work, and but we've I've, I've kind of changed some of the words to fit with you know the, what we have titled some of these principles. But this is pretty much Jeff Faggart's work that we're going to be looking at today, and I've got to get him back up here to preach for us. Uh, I, I saw in Sunday school more than half the class has never heard him, and so we've got to get Brother Jeff back in here. And any of you men who are able, the first week in May we have our Baptist History tour. And it really is the He-Man Woman Haters Club. There's no ladies on this one. It's just just the guys. And we have a fantastic time. So if you're interested in it, see, where is Ed up here? Is he downstairs today? Ed's downstairs. Um, just see uh, uh, Jim McDermott. Jim, you're going with us, right? So see Jim. Jim, wave at everybody so you can see it. If any of you guys want to go on that, I think it's $550, and it, that includes your hotel it includes the uh, the tour bus, everything, and it's. I hope that you can come with us. We just have an amazing time that week. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you, and thank you for these principles of Bible study that you have given us. And Father, thank you for Brother Jeff teaching us in Alabama these things, and now I get to communicate them here. And so, Lord, I pray that you're glorified as we exalt your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So get your Bibles and let's stand. I want us to read this chapter together. We're going to read the whole chapter. Isaiah chapter 13. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. And this is Isaiah chapter 13. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, did see. Lift ye up a banner upon the high mountain. Exalt the voice unto them. Shake the hand that they may go into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts mustereth the host of the battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Howl ye, 
For the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud, the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the gold wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as the chaste roe and as a sheep that no man taketh up. They shall every man turn to his own people and flee everyone into his own land. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through, and everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled, and their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the meads against them, which shall not regard silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, neither shall the Arabian pinch, pitch tent there, neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant places, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. Thank you. You can be seated. What an amazing chapter of the Bible. What an amazing passage of Scripture. And what I want us to see is that this passage of Scripture allows us to put six of our Bible study principles to the test. There are two more that we may get to, but I want to try and get through these two either this morning or between this morning and this evening, or get through these six, I should say. And so the first one I want you to see is the principle of time words. You hear me mention time words often. And we are trying to finish up this study this week, possibly next week. But then I want us to start, we're going to be studying through the book of Acts. Back to our exposition of a book of the Bible, I'm very excited to get to it. But I want us to try and tie all of this that we've been learning about how to study the Bible together. And you hear me mention this principle of time words often. Let's, let's find that. So the principle of time words, principle of events, predictive principle, the principle of places, the principle of words, that's repetition, so let's look at time words and phrases. Time words and phrases. Look at verse 6. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. 
All right, so those of you who have been at Grace Baptist for any length of time, what jumps out at you in that, that little bit that we read? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. That was pretty good. We had about 10% participation. So, so what is it that would jump out at you in that section? That is a descriptive phrase. That is a, that's, a, that's something that it delineates a specific period of time. Look at verse 9. Behold the what? The day of the Lord cometh. Verse 13. Therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. So we know, those of us who have, who have been studying this for a while, that when you see that phrase, the day of the Lord, that is the day that the Lord returns to establish his kingdom. And it begins with the rapture of the church, and it ends with the great white throne judgment. The day of the Lord, the Bible says a thousand years is as a day, and a, and a day as a thousand years. The day of the Lord is the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth, that begins with the rapture of the church. You say, well, how do I know? Well, the context will always tell you what portion of time that is being addressed. Look at verse 22. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses, and dragons in their pleasant palaces, and her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. So time and days, these are time words and when we start looking at that, it helps us to understand what God is trying to communicate. So one of the things that we can see from this passage is that Isaiah chapter 13 is dealing with specifically with the time that Jesus Christ comes to judge the earth and to rule and reign on the earth because of the phrase, the day of the Lord. We know that that's how we can interpret this passage. Then there is, so that is the, the time principle. The, the look for time words. Um, I might break this down a little bit more at another time, but I also want to show the specific ones that are here. So the next one that I want you to see is the events principle. So when God describes specific events, often these are big events in the Bible, and so he repeats them over and over again. So we have big events. You know, in your, in your life, your marriage is a big event. The, the birth of your child is a big event, event. And much more importantly, the birth of your grandchildren. The, these are events that we mark and that, that we understand. Um, I don't know if I said it. Your wedding, uh, the, your, your first job, your, the day that you retire, these are big events that we mark in our lives. The Bible, God has some big events on his calendar. And the biggest one is the day when Jesus Christ returns to receive the glory that's due his name. And so that's the key event that we would identify by that phrase, the day of the Lord in this text. But there are some other events that we can determine. So look at verse 4. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. And if you want to do an amazing study, mark that word nations and start to look through your Bible at the nations. How many of you were with us? I think it was in Massachusetts, Bellingham, Massachusetts, when Jeff Faggart preached that message on the judgment of the nations. Who was there? Any of you? You were there? I think Ed may have been the only one in here that was with it. And I have communicated some of that. James Knox has communicated some of that on his website. You may have seen it. 
If you will trace through the word nations in your Bible, there is a judgment coming, the judgment of the nations. And that judgment of the nations begins at Armageddon. So look at, look at verses 4 and 5 again. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. When you see the nations gathered, nations gathered. Now get your Bible program and search nations and gathered, nations and gathered. When you put those two things together, you're going to be amazed at what you learn about your Bible. These key words and these key events, this judgment of the nations is a key event in your Bible. Verse 5, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. So this gathering together, this gathering together is not only of the nations, this is gathering together of the heavens. And the Bible says that when Jesus returns with his host, remember when we studied the book of Zechariah, you see Lord of hosts. Anytime you see that phrase, Lord of hosts, it's Jesus Christ returning with his army for battle. These consistent words and phrases in your Bible, it's all the way through it. And you see he's coming with his host here in our text. And when he comes here, we're not going to take the time to go there, but in Isaiah chapter 34, he bathes his sword in the heavens. He's fighting with the spiritual battle on the way, and then on the earth, he begins dealing with the judgment of the nations. Look at the book of Joel. So keep your place here in Isaiah. And go to the book of Joel. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one under the chair in front of you. Just go ahead and grab that and use it. You're going to want to have a Bible in front of you. And if you're not sure where Joel is, use the table of contents. There's no shame in that. Look at Joel chapter 3. See if this event is important. And we're going to come back to Joel in a minute. Joel 3. So, So when we're done here, we go back to Isaiah. Hold your place in Joel. All right, so Joel chapter 3, look at verse 9. Proclaim ye this among the who? So one of the principles that we'll get to is the people principle. The people principle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Give none offense neither to the Jew, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Three people groups in the Bible. Jews, Gentiles, church of God. Jews, Gentiles, church of God. So we had a people group that's being addressed right here. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. So when you see that, prepare war, wake up the mighty men. Well, we're not going to take time to study that out. You might want to mark mighty men and trace that through the Bible. And what you'll find is if you go to Daniel chapter 2, we're not going to do that right now, you'll find that these mighty men, it's something unusual. It's something that's different. And we get that cross-reference from Genesis chapter 6. So these these key words, you start to study them through. But right now we're focused on a, a particular event. All right, so let's keep reading. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. And it's interesting, on the wall of the United Nations is Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. Isaiah 2 and verse 4 says, beat your swords into plowshares and your, your, your swords into pruning hooks. You know, that's what it says. But 
there's something interesting that happens here. Verse 10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Wow. What's he saying? All right, you nations, I am going to bring you and I am going to have a conversation with you. The Bible says, I am going to plead with the nations. He has a controversy with the nations. And he's inviting them to war. And they're more than happy to come. Look at what it says in verse 11. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Now, that round about, I don't know if I'm going to get to that until this evening. You might want to mark that in your Bible. Round about. That's not a throwaway word. Or two words. It's not, don't just throw that away. So, it says, gather yourselves together round about, thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up, uh-oh, we have a place, up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down. For the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion, and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people, and the strength of his children Israel. So shall ye know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her any more. This is an event. It's the Battle of Armageddon. And there are two battles, there are two stages to this, the battle of Gog and Magog, the battle of Armageddon. Here, the battle of Armageddon, he begins and he destroys these nations and then he goes into his kingdom. The day of the Lord is here. So when, let's go back, now you're going to keep a place there in Joel 3, go back to Isaiah chapter 13. This is an event, this is an event that is clearly taught in the Bible. The day of the Lord is the day that the Lord returns to judge the nations and to rule and reign on the earth. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 13. Here's another event. So we're back in Isaiah 13. Look at verse 7. Therefore, all, all hands shall be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Now notice, pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. So what do we have? A woman that travaileth. When you see that phrase talking about a group of people, a woman in travail, that is a very specific event. It's the tribulation period. The woman in travail is the tribulation period. Now, keep your place in Isaiah 13. I have three ribbons in my Bible, and that's still not enough for when we do all of these things. But look, we're going to keep our place in Isaiah. Go to Jeremiah chapter 30. This is another event. One of the key events that, are, that is taught in Scripture is this tribulation period. Now, let me say this very carefully. 
this is kind of an academic message today. In, in other words, it's, it's we're teaching how to study, and we're pointing out study principles. But don't miss the teaching of this text. Jesus is coming back. He is going to judge the earth. He is going to judge these nations. This horrible suffering that's being described. We've seen the images out of Ukraine and how horrible war is. Isn't, horrible just, isn't war just a horrible thing? It's a terrible thing. That is nothing compared to what's coming. So, yes, we are doing an academic exercise, but please don't treat the Bible as if it's, it's a book from history. This is God's Word telling us what is going to happen. And we're trying to learn how to discern those things by comparing the words, by, by noticing the special events that God has, has ordained. So look at Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 4. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning who? And concerning who? Is this concerning the church? How do I know that it's not concerning the church? Because it says Israel and Judah. One of our key principles in Bible study is we must see a distinction between Israel and the church. When you confuse those things, that's when all kinds of horrible things happen in the culture and we start killing each other. Very important. It's not just academic. It's not just pedantic. It's vital that we understand that when God says Israel, he means Israel. When God says the church, he means the church. When God says Gentiles, he means Gentiles. Okay? Very important. So, verse 4 again. And these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, We have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth, notice this word, travail with child. Now, that's a ludicrous question, isn't it? Right? Unless you're a modern thinker that thinks that men can have babies. How many of you men know that you're not capable of having a baby? How many of you know that? Some of you didn't raise your hand. Wade, I'll help you with that after church. <laughs> it, one of the amazing things about Scripture are just the assumptions that are made, and yet we have a culture that's gone so crazy that even some of these standard things, men are different than women. That, that you have to actually explain that. It, it, it's unbelievable. So, But when you see this travail of men, it's designed to stand out to you. Like a virgin shall conceive. That's not normal. A man in travail, that's not normal. So this is talking about something very specific. Verse 6 again. Ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness? Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even a time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Do you see that? The time of Jacob's trouble? The time of Jacob's trouble? Is it the time of the church's trouble? No, the church is taken out before the time of Jacob's trouble. We're gone. We're saved from wrath. Verse 8, for it shall come to pass that in when? That day is the day of the Lord. That day, that day, that day, that day. Mark that day. When you see that day in the Bible, it's talking about a specific day. That day, that day. 
There's another thing there in verse 7, alas. If you started studying through this book of the Bible and you look at how many times God says alas, when he says that, he's getting your attention. All right, let's keep going. Verse 8 again. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck and will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. All right, so there is a day coming and it is called the tribulation. All right, so now here's what I want you to do. Go to Matthew chapter 24 and then we're going to go to Joel chapter 3. Matthew chapter 24. Verse 21, Jesus Christ teaching about the end of the world. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. Now look at verse 22. And except, what's those next two words? Okay, the tribulation and except those days, those days. All right. Let's read on. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. All right. What is repetition in the Bible? All right. Drop down to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of what? Go back to Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, what are those next three words? And in what? Are there any time words there? He's going to bring the captivity of Judah. What's the captivity of Judah? This is what happens during the tribulation period. So when you start understanding these events that are given in the scriptures, and you start to understand the words that God uses over and over and over and over again. And as you read your Bible, it starts to make so much more sense. You can understand what's going on in passages that seem to be very difficult. They just open up to you in such an amazing way. So what have we seen? We've seen the principle of words and phrases. That's repetition. We've seen the um, the, the event principle, these specific events, the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. But then, we just looked at it recently, the predictive principle. We make a distinction between prophecy and prediction. Prophecy can be speaking forth the Word of God, or it could be God giving supernatural events about the future. So we're making a distinction there and calling it the predictive principle. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 13. And let's look for some more of of this in the predictive principle. Look at verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man, uh, uh, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Look at verse thirteen. Therefore, I will. Now, do you see what's happening in this text? I will. 
I will. I will. Verse 17. Behold, I will. God's telling us what he's going to do. This is the predictive principle. I will. I will. I will. I will. Now, we need to understand that Satan is a deceiver. Satan is an imitator. Satan wants to be like God. Is that right? Just just for fun? You want to look at the next chapter over? Look what the Bible says. In verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now, this is such an amazing thing. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. God has just got done saying what he's going to do. And now we have Satan giving his will. Guess who wins? Jesus. That's exactly right. God, when when God says, I will, let me just tell you, that's going to happen. When Satan said, I will, guess what? It didn't happen. (laughs) It didn't happen. Satan is powerful. He's way more powerful than us. He's more powerful than the other angels. There's no doubt about that. But he's not more powerful than God. Aren't you glad we worship the one true God? Amen. But let's look at this predictive principle. God has told us something. We're back in Isaiah 13. God tells us some things that he's going to do. In verse 10, the stars, they're they're going to fall. The moon is going to be darkened. Let's see what is predicted. These are events in the tribulation. So these are specific details of the event. So what have we noticed? We've noticed words and phrases. We've noticed events. And now we're noticing some specific details that God gives us about those events. So keep your place here in in Isaiah 13. Go to Revelation chapter 6. The detailed um, fulfillment of prophecy is one of the things that demonstrates that the Bible is a supernatural book. Look at verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal... And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men... And every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Go back to to Isaiah chapter 13. Verse 
Notice what it says. Stars of heaven and the constellations, verse 10, thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened. All of these things that are predicted in Isaiah chapter 13 are fulfilled in Revelation chapter 6. And all of that is yet future, but we get more detail. We get more detail from it. So this is an event. Now, so notice back, we're, in, we're still in Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, I will punish the world. Verse 12, I will make a man more precious. I will shake the heavens, verse 13. Uh, verse 17, I will stir up the meads. And so these are all the things that God says that he's going to do. How many of you recognize that's God's will? Okay, Matthew chapter 6. I know you all have probably never seen this verse before. Verse 10. No, verse 9 for the context. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. When people pray, thy will be done, they don't have any idea what they're asking. You see, this is all about the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, the, the, the book of Matthew, the phrase kingdom of heaven is only in the book of Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom that Jesus is coming to establish on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of heaven coming to earth. That's the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth. When you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What are you praying for? The stars to fall from the sky, the sun to not give its light, the moon to be darkened, the people to be dashed into pieces. That's what you're praying for. So that vain repetition, you know, let's say 10 Our Fathers and three Hail Marys, that vain repetition, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the Have you ever been to a funeral or something where they do that? If you're not from a Roman Catholic background, you don't understand. It's just said. It's just said over and over and over again. Now, do they mean it? Some, I'm sure many of them do. I'm sure that it's very meaningful for many of them. Would you all agree with that? But how many of you were a part of that and you said those things never really understanding what you were saying? How many of you did that? See, by comparing Scripture with Scripture, we're not mad at anybody who's doing that. That's not the point of it. They don't know what they're asking for. Does that make sense? They don't know what they're asking for. When we pray, like it says at the end of the book of Revelation, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When we pray for that, do we really understand what we're asking for? You know, the atheist says, why does God allow suffering? Well, he's going to stop it. They don't know what they're asking for. They don't know. So this predictive principle... God is telling us what he is going to do. Then Jesus says, pray for it. But when you're praying for it, you need to pray knowing what you're praying for. And that's what this predictive principle teaches us. This is the day of the Lord. It's what it is. Let's all stand together. We're going to look at some more of these principles tonight. And what an amazing passage of Scripture. Uh, 
Can you believe that all this is in this one text? It's all right there. I'm so thankful that Jeff pointed that out to us. And I get to show you some of this stuff today. But that that's just so sobering to me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How many of you know Jesus Christ is coming back? Do you really believe that? What's he going to do when he comes back? It's brutal. We need to lead people to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to be saved. Because the Bible in the book of 2 Thessalonians says this. If the Lord returns, in 1 Thessalonians it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's going to happen, according to 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. And, and you're not going to see Jesus then. We're going to go be with him for seven years in heaven. And on earth, he's going to pour out his wrath on this earth. And you might be saying, well, man, when that happens, I know that's when I need to receive Christ. It's too late. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that God will send a strong delusion on you that you'll believe a lie who loved not the truth, who received not the truth. Right now, you have the opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior. If you wait for the rapture and all of the saved people, the born-again people are gone, you, th- you might think, well, I'll believe then. No. No. There's no more chance. There's no more chance to believe. There's no more chance. Today is the day of salvation. Today. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, today must be the day. Please don't wait. And the rest of us, we have to tell somebody. Amen? We have to tell somebody.